Good morning. Thunder and lightning didn't keep you guys away, did it? I was wondering when I woke up this morning and heard all the rumbling and the trumbling up there. I thought, I don't know if anybody's coming. Uh, but I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Maybe you're heading to the second service. Uh, it's kind of clearing up a little bit. Uh, or possibly you're out in the pavilion. I'm glad that you're joining us, and uh, we're going to have a great time today. And we have over half a crowd in here, a little little sparser in the, the spitting section. I guess uh, nobody wants to sit right there in front of me, huh? Um, but everywhere else is full. So it is good to be back. Nancy and I had a very restful vacation in the mountains. Uh, I want to thank Pastor Rich for teaching for me the last two weeks. One of the things that I did right before we left for vacation is I sent out the contribution reports that included the 2020 pastor's report. You should have received those by now. As I read the pastor's report at the annual business meeting right before I left, I was just struck again by how 2020 turned out to be a pretty great year for us. In spite of, in spite of everything, in so many ways, 2020 was one of our best years ever. Um, it was the most challenging year ever, that's for sure, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, we survived last year by adapting and adjusting in every area, just like you did in your business or in your home. Lots and lots of people stepped up. People stepped into roles and did things that they've never done. Your staff stepped up. They learned stuff on YouTube on a Wednesday, and it was, it was implemented by Sunday, and it worked. Um, prayer works, right? Uh, lots of people. I'm just so thankful uh, to be your pastor. We have such an incredible church. We have an, I've told you before, we have such a generous church, not just generous with their, uh, their gifts, but with their time and with their energy. Um, we helped a lot of people last year. It was overwhelming. I think we helped 27 families at Christmas time with over $6,000 worth of gift cards to various places. Um, and that's on top of the $37,000 you guys gave to the Benevolence Fund that we used to help families in our own church who had either lost their job or who had had their hours cut. So what a great God and it's so great to be a part of the SEC family. Heading into 2021, I got to tell you that the state of our church, the state of our church is very, very strong. Over vacation, I was praying and I felt like God was leading me to kind of bring us back to some of our basics. Last year was a year of survival. We survived! Woohoo! <laughs> um, and they tell us that many, many churches in America will not survive. They expect one out of five churches to go out of business this year. I think for us, our, our year of survival last year is going to turn into a year this year, a year of recovery and moving forward. Because I don't think that we can stay in survival mode forever. We have to be the church we have to fulfill God's purpose for our own lives and for our church's life. 
He didn't help us to survive uh, just to sit around and hope for Jesus to come. But he helped us to survive so that we can thrive. In 1993, God called me to start this church from scratch with 11 people in a funeral home. Many of you know the story, going all the way back to Stones of Remembrance. Each year I tell it. I wanted to start a church so that people could bring their unchurched friends to church. For almost 28 years, we have, we've been following a very simple strategy or formula to reach those who are far from God. Interestingly, we just got it from the New Testament. We just, we just do what Jesus did. Go figure that that would work, right? So for almost 24, 28 years, we've been trying to reach people who are far from God and love them into God's family so that they can be adopted into his family by placing their faith in his son, Jesus Christ. This year, in just about 50 days or so, we're going to celebrate our 28th birthday on Palm Sunday. And I thought it would be really good for us to review why we exist as a church and why we all need a church family. We probably need a church family this next year more than ever before. Even in a pandemic, we must continue to be a place where people can bring their their lost friends, their family members who are far from God, and they can be accepted and they can be loved and eventually, as I said, be adopted into God's family by placing their faith in his son, Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? And more importantly, how do we do that in the middle of a pandemic? You know, prior to 2020, they tell us that over 100 million people went to church somewhere in America every week. Who knows what that number is today, right? A lot of the country is still shut down. We have been back now for nine months. This is the 39th week in a row that we've been meeting. And I'm so thankful that we live in a state and especially a county that not only allows us to meet, but encourages us to meet. They see church and they see worship as essential. And it is. Even the Supreme Court of the United States agreed with this finally yesterday. For many, many years, people have gone to church over their lifetime and probably had really no idea why they attended. Some of them went out of tradition. Some of them went out of guilt. Some of them went because they had a drug problem. Somebody drug them to church, right? Their parents drug them to church or their spouse drug them to church. You know, some of them are in recovery of that, right? Uh, some of them went out of habit. It's just what we've always done. Do you ever wonder why we even do church? Why do we have church anyway? Why is it essential? Why would we all get out of bed on a rainy morning and come to church? Or head to the couch in the living room for some of you. What purpose do we do this for? I'd like to read, if you've got your uh, outline there, we're interrupting our Unmasking Relationships series. We'll be right back to that, and that's going to take us all. I've extended it all the way to Easter, don't worry. I know some of you, your relationships have, have needed some unmasking. We'll get right back to it. But I'd like to start by reading you the Seminole Church purpose statement 
And it's right on the top of your outline there. If you've taken class 101, you have this memorized. We used to have a quiz on this. It says, we believe a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. It will also grow a great Christian. Let me explain to you what the great commandment is. Just fill in the great commandment there on your, on your outline. The great commandment is found in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38. You've heard me talk about this so many times. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then the great commission, if you'll write that in, comes from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. And it says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God created the church to help people fulfill his five purposes for their lives. This morning I want to review God's five purposes for our lives and consequently God's five purposes for the church. How the church is supposed to help us, meant to help us fulfill these purposes. And I'd also like, for the first time ever, to ask, well, what does this look like in a pandemic? For each of these purposes, if we're isolated, some of you are still quarantined because of health issues or uh, issues with uh, health issues within your family. Um, you've made the choice to learn from distance over the Internet. Praise God for this technology. And, and you probably have felt a little disconnected. I feel like our church is more disconnected today than at any other time. In our, you know, we have people watching us online who are part of our church, and I've never met them before. That's a little weird. You know, I wouldn't recognize them because I've never met them. We have people who um, haven't been back to church in almost a year. And it's easy to feel a little disconnected if you aren't able to attend for health reasons. Maybe you've even been tempted to drift away a little bit because there's so many distractions. I mean, you think there's distractions here on campus. There's a lot more distractions when you're trying to watch on a laptop or your phone, obviously. So how do we... How do we move forward and continue to grow as believers? How do we fulfill the five purposes in the midst of a pandemic? Because we can't go year after year after year just waiting. We're going to fulfill our purpose as a church. We're going to fulfill our purpose as Christians, regardless of the circumstances that are around us. You see, everything we do here at SEC centers around these five purposes. We budget around the five purposes. We plan around the five purchases, purposes. We, we set goals around these five purposes. We evaluate everything that we do. Is this going to help us to fulfill one of our five purposes? There's a lot of good ideas. People, Can't we do this? Can't we do that? Can't we do that? So look, you know, other people are going to have to do those. We're going to stay laser focused on these five things. So I want you to jot them down. By the way, how many of you have started attending Seminole Church in the last three years? In the last three years, great. Half of our crowd. The last time I taught this was about three years ago. And the time before that was five years before that. Probably, in the early years, I used to do State of the Church Address every single year. 
And people started figuring it out and staying at home, and they didn't have internet. So <laughs> I started making it a little more sporadic. Okay, great review for those of us who've been here for, how long have we been here, honey? 30, 30 28 years? Whew. Great review for us. Seminole Community Church exists, number one, will you write this down, to celebrate God's presence. We exist to celebrate God's presence. So I want you to write the the take-home there or the application there. I need a church family to help me center my life around God through worship. Will you fill in the word worship? Worship is simply building our life around centering our life around God. Look, God did not put you on this planet to live a self-centered life. He didn't put us here for our benefit. He put us here for his benefit. We exist for God, not vice versa. God wants to be the hub of our heart. He wants to be the axis of our existence. He wants to be the very core of our being the focus of our attention all the time. He wants to be the center of our life, and the Bible calls that worship. Anytime God is the center of our life, we are worshiping God. good definition of worship I've given you there is knowing and loving God. You don't have to fill it in. God says the most important thing that you can do with your life, the most important thing that you can do is to know and love God. Why? Because that's the first purpose of why you've been created, why he's put you on this earth. Number one reason you're alive today, the number one reason you're put on this earth, is to know and love God, to have a relationship with him. A lot of people, unfortunately, go through their whole life, and and they never develop a relationship with God. They miss the very first purpose of why they're even created. You were made to know God, not to have religion. We're not talking about that but to have a relationship with him. And that's why he says that's the most important thing you can do. If you live on this earth for 80 or 90 years and miss out on the most important thing, you have missed out. Whenever we focus on God and we put him at the center of our life, that's worship. Well, so what's the best way to worship? There's a lot of ways to worship. Everybody says their way is better than our way, our way is better than your way. What, what are the parameters there? Do you need to burn a little incense? Do I have to say certain words or certain chants? Do I have to wear certain robes or clothes? What do I have to do to worship? Jesus says in John 4:23, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He doesn't say anything about style. He says the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Circle that phrase, spirit and truth, in spirit and truth. That means God wants you to worship him authentically, accurately. Authentically means in spirit. That we don't just give God lip service. You say, I love you, God, but you have to mean it. It must be genuine. Because if you just give him lip service and I'm just trying to appease you, then God says that doesn't count. So when we say, I love you, God, when we sing, I love you, he wants us to grow to a place where we mean that. We love him with all our heart. Otherwise, don't bother. It must be in spirit and it must be in truth. 
That means you can't, it must be accurate. You can't just make up your own idea of God and worship that. Mankind has been doing this for centuries. God says, don't make me into your image. Don't fashion your own little G God. He says, in fact, I'm making you into my image. God is making us. He's transforming us into his image. So it doesn't really matter what you think God is like, and it doesn't really matter what I think God is like. What matters is what is God really like? What does he say he's like? So we've got to be worshiping him in in truth. I just can't make up a God and worship that. We must worship the true God. Notice it says the Father is looking for those that will worship him that way. That's what the Bible says. Did you realize God, God is looking for people? who want to have a relationship with him. Just like in the story Chris had told, he's looking for us to come back to him. He's saying, is there anyone out there that wants to get to know me? Is there anyone out there that wants to be close to me? That's the kind of person I want to know, God says. And I want them to know me. That's the first purpose of your life, to know and love God and worship him. So what do we do? here at SEC, to help us to worship God. Well, we try to create a Sunday worship service centered around three words. And when the pandemic hit, luckily God had already provided the path, provided the technology for us to do this, not just face-to-face like we've done for 28 years, but over the, the Internet online. These are the three words that we focus our worship services on. The first is celebration. I know I didn't give you a blank there, but there's plenty of extra space there if you want to write the word celebration. We believe that that Christians should be joyful, happy even. David said in Psalm, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Not I was mad or I was sad or, oh, brother. Not I was bored. We believe that church should be fun. In fact, From birth all the way through, hopefully us as adults, I want church to be fun. I want this to be one of your best hours, hour and 15 minutes of the week. Because Jesus is alive, and we are forgiven, and that's reason to party. We should be excited about that. Whenever whenever I see your kids over on the playground after service, I never ask them, what did you learn? I always ask them the same question, did you have fun? And if the kids are like, yeah, we had fun. We know they'll come back, and we know they'll learn plenty over their lifetime. We want church to be fun. There's no reason to be glum and down. Some churches, you, you walk in and you think it's a funeral, right? You think, oh, man, everybody's so sad here. First church of the frigid air. <laughs> so I just believe the church should be fun. That's why I try to use a lot of humor. It's okay to laugh in church. I'll say that again. It's okay to laugh in church. Um, We laugh at ourselves a lot. Now, we take God very seriously, but we do not take ourselves very seriously. So celebration is the first word that I I picked out. The, The second word is inspiration. We believe that our Sunday services should build people up, not tear them down. Every week you come in here with fatigue, with with failure, with frustration, with fear, the four F's, 
fatigue, failure, frustration, and fear. And you're beat up in the world all week long. I look at Sunday as a spiritual filling station where I want to lift you up. I want to fill you back up. Right? It's a place for you to get emotionally recharged. I'm going to hook up the battery chargers and, and kind of lift you up so you can go do it again for, a, for another week. It's tough to serve the world, to love the world. It's tough out there being a Christian and getting tougher. I don't think you change people by condemning them. I don't think you build people up by tearing them down. You change people by showing them what they can be, not condemning them for what they, what they are. So we don't use a lot of guilt motivation in our church. Some of you, you like that. Like, man, I grew up with that. Others of you, you're like, man, I I need that. When is he going to get? I'm not going to do that. That's just not my style. I don't think it helps anybody in the long run. So celebration, inspiration, the last word is preparation. And this is what we really focus on here at SEC, that Sunday gets us ready for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Ephesians 4 says God gave pastors... He gave pastors and teachers to the church to prepare people for the work of the ministry. It's not our jobs as pastors to do the ministry. It's our job as pastors to prepare you for your ministry, to prepare you for your ministry within the church and out in the world. And that's why we try to make our messages very practical. We try to have every single point have a verb in it so that we know this is what we need to do. Because, listen, if you're, if you're really looking for like a Bible scholar that can teach you all these little tiny nuggets of truth, these little uh, you know, ba- barely known truths out there, then there's a lot better Bible teachers around than I am. But if you're looking for how to apply God's word every day, then this is your place. I might be your man. Let me explain. I taught on this very scripture, Matthew, the, the Great Commandment. Several years ago, oh, it's probably 12 years ago, 15 years ago. And I taught in the scripture where Jesus is asked, what is the, great, the greatest commandment? And as I described the scene, um, there were three groups of people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. And I told everybody what the three groups of people. But I spent like 95% talking about how to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because that's what the scripture is. I just mentioned the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Herodians. So after the service, I'm over here on the playground, and this young guy, say 30-something, he comes up to me, and he's like, that's the best sermon I've ever heard you preach. To which I'm thinking, well, I wonder if it was the love God with all, all your heart, soul, and mind part that got him, or love your neighbor as yourself part, the second half of that great commandment that got him. And he burst my bubble right away. He says, that part you said about the Herodians, I never heard that before. I learned something. The first time I've learned something I didn't know from you, Pastor. And I'm like, really? I spend 95% on how to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and how to love your neighbor as yourself. And what you get out of the message is this one little, this one little factoid that will help you some Bible trivia game someday. And I thought to myself, you know, you're probably a Pharisee. And you make me really sad, you see. That's the humor part, see? All right. If you want to just be a knower of the word, you're not going to like it here. 
But if you want to join us in the struggle to become doers of the word, as we especially focus on the great commandment, the great commission, then this might be your place. This is the first purpose of the church, to help you center your life every single day around God, worshiping him. We do that here on the SEC campus, and now we do it online all over the country and literally all over the world. People are watching us live from India. Hey, Sudhir, right now. And uh, it blows my mind how that's even possible. Number two, Seminole Church exists to connect God's family. I need a church family. Once you write in the word connect, I need a church family to help me connect with other believers through fellowship. Now, this has become more difficult, and I want to talk about this for a second. God wants to help you to connect with other believers through fellowship. First, God wants you to connect with him, obviously. And then he wants to help you connect with members of his family and learn to love them. (laughs) And, you know, there's all kinds in God's family. There will be some people who are easy to love, like me, humor again and and there will be some people who are difficult to love maybe like me (laughs) Uh, that's all fellowship is learning to love other people in god's family that's all it is it's learning to love other people in god's family the bible says that god is love so he wanted a family so he created us and if you want to know why you're alive you're alive because God wants you to be in his family. That's the whole reason you're alive today. That's the whole reason you've been put on this planet. God wants you in his family because he loves you. And that family, the family of God, is going to last forever and ever and ever. The Bible says that he wants you to learn to get along with other members in his family. And just like a parent loves it when When their children love each other and get along, God wants you to learn to love each other and get along with the rest of his kids. Why? Because God is love. And if you don't learn to love people, you can never be like God. Unfortunately, a lot of people live self-centered lives, don't they, their whole life. They live for themselves, for their own comfort. And they go through their life never really learning relationship skills. That's why we're doing this series and continue to do series about relationships. Never learning how to love other people. Never learning how to get along with other people. And they end up missing the second purpose of their life. The most important lesson that we can learn is to love God. The second most important lesson that we can learn is to love other people. God says, I didn't put you on earth to live an isolated life. That's difficult in the middle of a pandemic because you were not created to live isolated from everybody else. He said, I put you on earth to practice loving people and loving God so you'll be ready for heaven someday. It's interesting. Acts 2 tells us how God wants us to connect with other believers. The first church, you can read about the first church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, by the way, the first church, the Jerusalem church, is the church that we model our church after. And here's what he says in Acts 2 verse 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy 
and generosity. This tells us what the church should do. It's all in this one little passage. The first point I just talked about, they worshiped together in the temple courts. But notice they also met in small groups and homes. That's what we need. That's what you need. If you want to have a healthy life, a balanced life as a person, you need large group worship and you need small group fellowship in a home. You need to make both in your Christian life to be everything God made you to be. If all you do is come to church and listen and worship or just tune in and listen and worship, then you're never going to really grow as a Christian. You, you can't fellowship with, with 100 or 200 people. You can only fellowship and get to know people, you know, six at a time, eight at a time, ten at a time. That's why it's so important, and that's why we emphasize the need for everybody to be in a small group. You need a small group for relationships. You don't get relationships in a crowd. That's why, by the way, we have donuts and coffee and refreshments afterwards, so that you can start the path of getting to know some people. You can worship in a crowd. You can only fellowship in a small group. So for your spiritual growth, for you to become everything that God meant for you to be, you've got to connect with some other believers. You need both. Our goal is that every attender at SEC will connect in small group fellowship because we know you need it and God says you need it. Now, once you are in a group of people, they can help you make it through the storms of life, as many of you have found out this last year. Your small group has been there for you. They're the ones that brought food over to you when you had COVID or when you were quarantined. They're the ones that helped with your kids. They're the ones that prayed for you when you went into the hospital or you had something that, that happened. We have face-to-face groups like we've always had, and we have many Zoom groups. There are still people, still people Zooming. I know some of you, you're like Zoomed out, zoned out, Zoomed out, and doomed out. Right? You're like, I'm not doing that anymore. Well, if you're not meeting face-to-face, I would encourage you to meet on Zoom. It's face-to-face. You're able to connect that way. So what is your next step? Personally, in the middle of a pandemic, notice the order of Acts 2. First, they believed. Then they were baptized. Then, number three, they joined the church family. That's class 101, by the way. Membership matters. The number four, they committed to regular worship. The number five, they got connected in a small group fellowship. Which of these steps do you need to take? Maybe you need to believe and trust in Christ today. I'm going to pray at the end, and you can do that. Maybe you've already done that, but you need to be baptized. Sign up to be baptized. We'll email you. We'll schedule a time for your baptism interview and to be baptized. By the way, aren't these baptism videos great, the ones that we've been doing over the last year? That's been a huge benefit of the pandemic. Maybe you need to take the next step and be baptized. Or maybe you need to be part of the church family. You've been coming for a while. You've been watching for a while. You need to take the next step and come to Membership Matters. We're doing the next one in two weeks. I teach it in here. We can spread you out. If you don't want to be six feet away, we'll put you 12 feet away from everybody. It's a very safe environment. And you can take that class and be part of our church family. And then you need to connect in a small group. Now, we're going to be launching new face-to-face groups and new Zoom groups right after Easter. Instead of doing 40 days of prayer or 40 days in the Word or 40 days of purpose right out of the beginning, 
uh, January 1st. This year, instead of doing that, we're going to do 50 days of transformation from Easter to Pentecost. It'll be seven weeks. Every single, I'm going to ask you to come to church seven weeks in a row. Some of you are like, wow, yeah, the pandemic, we gotta, we got to continue to grow and be the church. I'm going to ask you to tune in seven weeks in a row. I'm going to ask you to get involved in a group that meets seven weeks in a row. And more importantly, I'm going to ask you to spend time with God for 50 days in a row. I'm warning you, you can find another church now if you want to bolt, okay? But if you want to grow, if you want to move forward, if you don't just want to survive, but you would rather recover and move forward in 2021, we're going to help you, okay? We're going to be asking all of our existing groups to join us in this church-wide spiritual growth campaign. This is the easiest way to get in a small group. It's the easiest way. Half the people who are going to go through this aren't in a group. They're already new. So you don't have to like be the new one in the room or the new one on the Zoom room. You can, you can join and we'll plug you into the right place. Here's your only decision. You're going to make a decision. What night of the week? And am I a face-to-face or am I Zoom? Those are your only decisions. So you need to worship because the first purpose of life is to learn to love God and love, love and, and our church helps you do that. You need fellowship. Because that's the second purpose, learn to love other people, know and love people. Third purpose, Seminole Church exists to educate God's people. We exist to educate God's people. And I need a church family. I want you to write this down. I need a church family to help me cultivate spiritual maturity through discipleship. Discipleship just means grow up. Discipleship just is a Bible word for growing up. It's the process of growing into spiritual maturity. We become a disciple. God doesn't want you to stay a spiritual baby. He wants you to grow up. How? How do you grow up? Well, you grow up by knowing his word, by trusting his wisdom, by obeying his commandments, by developing Christ-like character, by allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to flourish in your life. God wants you to grow up. Now, a lot of people are saved, but they're pretty shallow. They're still, have you met baby Christians before? Don't point at one. You know, cry ba- some of them are crybaby Christians. They're not just baby Christians, they're crybaby Christians. I've met a few of those. We don't want you to be a crybaby Christian or a baby Christian for very long. We want you to grow up into spiritual maturity. By the way, that was some humor. I don't know if you met, recognize that. Some of you were like, What's yeah, it's just humor. <clears throat> don't worry, I get myself in trouble every week. Don't, you can pray for me. Discipleship means growing into spiritual maturity. At SCC, growth is our, your growth is our goal. Everything we do is to help you to grow spiritually because God wants you to grow up. We're always trying to think of new ways to help you connect and grow. So how do you know when you're spiritually mature? Well, there's a lot of ways you know. You know by character. You know when you have skills. But one of the ways, one of the primary ways you know that you're growing into maturity is you're able to pass what you learn on to others. You're a disciple who's able to make other disciples. You're able to reproduce. In, in every species, when you're mature, you're old enough, mature enough to reproduce. That means for us that we teach each other what we've learned and we pass it on. If you've never passed on what you're learning to somebody else, what you know to somebody else, then you're probably not as mature as you think you are. 
So God wants us to be able to pass those things on. Hebrews 5.12 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need somebody to teach you again the basic things about God's work. Maturity is not an end in itself. Maturity is for ministry. Every Christian is is called to grow to the point where they can pass on what they know to others. Now, in a pandemic, it's hard to continue to grow if you're unable to come to campus. But we have some things already in place to help you to be able to feed yourself and to grow and share those things. I sat down with Pastor Rich this week to interview him about this. Why don't you watch the side screens? So, Rich, one of the things that I'm concerned about is how is somebody going to grow in their faith in this COVID pandemic scenario we're in, especially if they're not even able to make it to church on Sundays? They're watching online. How are they going to, what can we do as a church to help someone to grow in their faith? Well, yeah, that's a that's a great question, actually. Um, and as a church, that's what 201 is all about, that we offer a 201. Maturity matters. Maturity matters, yeah. And in Maturity Matters, it's really helping people to become, um, as a disciple, you're learning disciple habits, mm-hmm. habits that you're going to learn on your own. Now, obviously, this three-hour class is not going to make you like a, you know, you're not the superhero disciple, but it's giving you the tools to be able to do that. So some of the things we talk about is, um, you know, daily quiet time with God, mm-hmm. super important. We talk about prayer on your own. So it's time with God and prayer are some of the big aspects. And then what I really like about the time with God is we kind of unpack some different things of how to really get a grasp on God's word. Because, you know, we can we can hear it. We can read it. We can do some different things, but it's really, you get a really good grasp on God's Word when you're reading it and you're hearing it and you're meditating on it and memorizing it and um, listening, all those different things. And then that's really how you apply God's Word when you can do all those things on your own. That's what I love about 201 is all those practical practical ways that people can learn how to study on their own. Yeah, and it's, it's a really good, I mean, for even for me, when I when I lead the 201 class maturity matters uh there's things i'll notice in my own life it's like man i've kind of been slacking Mm -hmm. a little bit in this area i need to i need to work on this so it's a it's a lifelong process but we learn all those things to really help us so on our own when we can't be in church i mean this is we should be spending time with god right all the time it really helps us to be equipped on how to be a lifelong disciple and follower of jesus even now when we really need it Talk to me about some of the electronic ways that have come up in really just the last 10 years, maybe five years. How do you help equip your participants electronically? Yeah, I mean, one of the ways that we tell them, um, obviously, if you can't make it to church, one way to stay plugged in is being able to watch online. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one electronic way. You know, we give you the the outline so that you can go back and then really study it, read it, do, do all those things on your own. But my favorite one is the YouVersion Bible app. Right, the Bible app is I great. I mean, YouVersion Bible app, even when you're disconnected in a sense with people that you can't really necessarily maybe not meet with them face-to-face, you can um, select plans that you can invite others, and then you can do it together. And then it's not only that you're just reading God's Word then, but you're communicating. You can type in, like, what you thought about that, and then you go back and forth. I know that my wife is doing that with some of her friends right now. 
And so they're just going through different Bible plans, and they're able to communicate, and they're growing like crazy. You did that with your men's group, and, didn't you? And we did do that with our men's group. We went through the Bible in a year. Whole Bible. The whole Bible wow. in a year, and then we just had good conversations um, going through the with the Uversion Bible app. It's a great way to do that. And this. So how many spaces are available in the typical? You do a class 201. Yeah. How many people do you have? Uh, we could have around, you know, 20 to 25 people Excellent. in a 201 class. Now, you know, um, just depending on how people feel in that, we can, you know, we can do we could do more than one class in that sense just to, you know, if we need to spread that class we out. We fill it up, we'll yeah. just add another class. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they have to come through membership matters yeah, so to see 101, me on 101, yep. then they're ready for 201. Yep. Yeah, I hope people will do that and yeah. take advantage, especially yeah. right now when they're kind of forced to maybe not be as active as they can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, 201 is, is a great way to um, really help you think about um, how, how can, you know, it's, it's one thing just to be picking up and reading, okay, I read and then I put it down, or, you know, opened up my Bible and I read and I put it down, but to really think about what you're reading, mm-hmm. to really have a real good connection with God. And then, again, your version not only connecting with God, but then connecting with other believers at the same time. Yeah, great way to do that. Hope people hope people take advantage of this. Yeah, that was a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So God wants to be the center of your life, center your life on Christ. We do that through worship. God wants us to get to know each other and love other believers. We do that through fellowship. And God wants you to grow to maturity. We do that through discipleship. Number four, Seminole Church exists to demonstrate God's love. That's the, one of the whole reasons we have church, is to demonstrate God's love. And because of that, I need a church family to help prepare me to contribute something back through ministry. This probably gets us the most excited in our staff meetings. Because ministry is not something that pastors do. Ministry is something that everyone in the church is called to do we have a saying around here that every member is a minister that just means using your gifts and your abilities that god's already given you to help other people in love god didn't put you on this earth to just take up space to just use up resources to just leave a big carbon print footprint i guess they call it and then and then die he put you on this earth to make a contribution to make a difference to actually to leave a legacy And you're to leave this place better because of you. That's his plan. That's called your ministry. Anytime you use your talents and your gifts and your abilities or your money or your time or your intelligence or your energy or your physical skill or your opportunities, anytime you use those, those things that God has given you to help someone else in Jesus' name, that's called ministry. Ministry is serving God by serving others. Serving God by serving others. The Bible says that your reward in heaven and your responsibility in heaven is going to be based on how well you serve. Jesus says if you're faithful in little things, then I'm going to, I'm going to give you other things. Other things and other responsibilities. Greater reward in heaven your salvation anything to do with going to heaven isn't based on what you do it's all based on what jesus has already done it's based on trusting in what jesus has done 
But your reward in heaven and your responsibility in heaven is based on what you do with what you have here on this earth. One day, we're all going to stand before God, and he's going to ask us the question. He's going to ask two questions. What did you do with my son, and what did you do with what I gave you? That's the final. That's the final exam. We should be ready for that. What did you do with what I gave you? With all the resources? Well, I made a lot of money. I retired. We saw the world. And he's going to go, ah, wrong answer. God says, I want you to use what I've given you to help other people. Now, some people will go through life basically living selfishly. They'll never do anything except for money. Is there anything that you're doing in life that's totally unselfish? That you're serving the needs of your community, you're serving the needs of your church, serving the needs of other people, and they can't give you anything back. You don't get anything back out of it. You get no reward, no money, no picture in the paper. You're just doing it because you love people. You learn to love God and you learn to love people, and you've grown in some maturity now, and now you want to help others. That's why it's the fourth purpose. God says, I want you to learn how to, to serve others. Some people never learn that, and they're not going to have very many rewards in heaven or responsibilities. They may get in by the skin of their teeth, but they're not going to have what God had planned for them. First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have, have received to serve others. So I sat down this week with our volunteer coordinator, Joanne Spaulding, and um, asked her, how can we help people find their ministry? Would you also watch the side screen on this one? So, Joanne, I'm also concerned about how people are going to be able to serve God in ministry when they're kind of kept from coming to church or isolating so talk to me about your role as our volunteer coordinator. Well, as volunteer coordinator, first of all, I love people. and They love you. And I love to connect with people. And so for me, it's my way of meeting new people, and I get to connect them with what they love to do or where they enjoy serving. Mm -hmm. So I love to sit down with people and talk through all of our opportunities and see what sparks in them, and then plug them into that area. And that's kind of what I do. I put people in places of service. That's why we've invited you to help us with Class 301, because we really kind of have a very in-depth process of having people find the perfect place to express their shape. Talk to me about Class 301, and what do you like about that? So after you take 101, Membership Matters, and 201, um, maturity matters, you go to 301, which is ministry matters. And <clears throat> that it's kind of fun to see people realize that what they thought they were passionate about mm -hmm. is not really where they need to serve. Or they find out that they go in another spot. You learn your shape, which is their spiritual gifts, where their heart is, their abilities, their personality, where mm -hmm. it fits, and then their experience. Experience is a big one because... Yeah. Um, the things that you have done throughout your life helps put you in uh, different areas um, that you have experience that you can help others with. Mm -hmm. So 301 takes you through that whole process, and you kind of figure out where you may need to go in service and that you didn't know that that was where you would serve. And this is another one of those classes where 
you don't get all the answers in the three-hour class. No. But you're equipped to fill out the shape profile. Right. And then people are supposed to meet with their, they meet with you, mm-hmm. and they meet with you and Pastor Rich. Right. How do you guys help them through that? So we, you do get a profile in the class, and you, we ask people to take it home, pray about it, work through it, be honest mm-hmm. when you fill it out. And then once you're done, we ask that they contact either me or Rich, and we schedule a time and meet with them. And we just kind of go through it, and we talk to them, um, we pray with them, and we kind of say, well, you know, this, maybe you would like this ministry. And um, we've seen some light bulbs go off, and it's kind of cool to see mm-hmm. people go, I, I've always been scared to do that, but I'd love to give it a try. So we meet with them, go through their whole shape profile, and then I try to plug them in to areas of service within the church that fits that. If I haven't been through class 101 or class 201 or I haven't made it all the way through class 301, do I, can I still serve or do I have to wait till I do a shape profile? No, absolutely you can serve. Um, we, will, we will plug you in somewhere. We do encourage everybody to make those steps and go through those classes um, because, like I said, we've had people do their profile and they've served in one area for, all, for years and years and then they – kind of realize that wow i might be great at this right this is what god's right. made me for right yeah. so you can absolutely serve we for if you work with students we do background checks um that's really the only requirement mm-hmm. um but we do want you to go through all those those steps so if somebody wanted to sign up to serve where would they find you most sundays um most sundays i'm out front mm-hmm. um i do occasionally sing on the platform but I'm free before and after the service. So they find you at the next steps? Next steps tent. And if I'm not there, the person that is there can either take information or talk to them. We have flyers out there that have descriptions of all of our all ministry, the different ministry areas perfect they can way. take yep. and read. Um, and then they can find me. Uh, that person can find me on campus. I'm usually running around somewhere. Well, you're really good at connecting people and getting them involved. You're doing a great job. I love it. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. So what's your next step of growth in ministry? It's real simple. Get involved. Raise your hand. Say, I'll step up. I'll help. We have a lot of people doing kind of double and triple duty because of the pandemic. So uh, we're praying. Praying to find you a spot. All right, got to finish with number five quickly. Number five, Seminole Church exists to communicate the gospel. We celebrate God's presence. We connect God's people. We communicate God's word. We demonstrate God's love. And we communicate the gospel. That means I need a church family to help me share God's love through evangelism. What does that mean, evangelism? Well, evangelism is just a Greek word that means sharing the good news. You pass on to somebody else the good news that you yourself have found. Anytime you're doing that, you're passing on the good news of God's love, you're doing evangelism because evangelism is sharing the good news. Here's the good, what's the good news? Here's the good news. You're not here by accident. That's good news. You were made to last forever, not just this life. That's good news. God has a purpose for your life. That's good news. 
Here's the good news. No matter what you've done, no matter what, Jesus Christ will forgive you. And he's paid for that on the cross. God has a purpose for your life. That's good news. He has a plan and a place for you in heaven. That's great news. And God wants to forgive your sins. That's the good news. Everybody needs to hear that. And once you know the first four purposes, this fifth purpose of I want you to pass it on and tell others, tell every other person, it becomes easy. You know, people are going to spend eternity in one of two places. They're going to spend eternity with God in heaven or separated from God forever in eternity in hell. Jesus came so that no one has to do that. We can all go to heaven through the payment of Jesus Christ. All we have to do is tell the good news so that some other people can accept and put their faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, this is the last verse I'll, I'll share today, from the message paraphrase says, All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then he called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the, word a fresh, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. So what is your next step in telling others? Let me just give you a very simple one. Bring someone with you to church. Invite somebody to watch with you online. Open up one of those Facebook, hey, I'm going to do a watch party things. And, and invite your friends to watch with you and chat with them as you're going through it. Anybody can do that. Anybody can invite someone and bring someone. Bring them this Easter. Let me, let me just take a quick little survey as we close, kind of a pop quiz. How many of you heard about SEC through another person? Any of you? Somebody told you about SEC, right? Almost everybody. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one, but how many people have you told? You're here because of somebody else. Is anybody else here because of you? Is anybody else going to heaven because of you? We've got to tell somebody. We've got to be audio-visual Christians. We've got to walk the walk, but we also have to talk the talk. Tell them the good news. So here's the question. Who do I know? that doesn't know Jesus? Who in my family, who in my neighborhood, who in my company, who in my school do I know? They don't know Jesus yet. And I want you to start praying for that person. Pray about inviting them to come with you for Easter this year. Easter is going to be great. We had no Easter service last year. We're going to get to meet this year. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> You're going to have to get a ticket for Easter like Christmas. Who can you invite to watch Easter with you? It's only seven or eight weeks away. This is why we exist as a church. We exist because we have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission. This is why we exist as believers. The same thing. Let me pray. God, I look out on all these, all these people that I love and that you love, and I just thank you for our church family. 
Dear God, it's, it's not usually that we don't know the right thing to do. We know the right thing. It's just that life gets in the way and we forget it. We get so busy making a living and trying to make a life that we forget. We make excuses, we procrastinate, we, we postpone it, and we just don't do it. So today, God, I ask you to help each of us to figure out the next step that we need to take to level up our spiritual maturity, the next step that we need to take to grow. Help us to know what to do, but more importantly, help us to act on it, especially in this pandemic. We can't wait another year. Help us to take the next step forward in our spiritual walk. Now, why don't you pray right where you're at in your heart? You just say, God, I want to center my life around you. You want to worship. Say, God, I want to center my life around you. Say, God, I want to get better connected to your family and to your fellowship here at SEC. Maybe this is your prayer. Say, God, I want to grow to spiritual maturity. How about this one? God, I want to make a contribution with my life. I want to get involved in ministry. And then maybe our prayer can be, God, I want to, I want to help communicate your love to others. I want somebody to be in heaven because of me. God, thank you for this church family. Make that your prayer. God, thank you for this church family where I can learn your purposes for me. And if you're here today or you're watching online or you're in the pavilion and you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ and you want to step across the line of faith, it's simple. You just say, Jesus Christ, I want to believe in you and be baptized as you command. I want to trust you with my life and my eternity. So please come into my life and forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins and adopt me into your family. Heavenly Father, I want to learn to love you, to know you and love you, and to love others. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.